Good morning, everybody. It's good to be here. It's good to see everybody. I liked my look of my outfit better without my sweatshirt. I feel compelled to tell you, but it feels like a refrigerator in here. So this is a refrigerator look. God, help us to be present to your presence. It would be great if every one of us connected with you in some real way this morning. Help us to slow down enough We just breathe in your life, oh God. Amen. Well, um, many of you would know that prayer practices mean a lot to me. They always have. I pray regularly. I use different forms of prayer, different liturgies. I talk about it a lot because I think it's the one thing that takes our mental ascent, the beliefs that we have in our faith, and turns it into experience. Um, and I do prayer practices in part because I think life is super hard. I have five kids. My kids are partnered in various ways. There's different kids. Just my family alone can keep me on my knees. Then there is the rest of life. Um, but I also pray for the experience itself. To me, there is nothing um, quite like the, the moments of actually connecting um, with God. Um, and for me, it, it is the moments where I feel the most centered, I feel the most peace, I feel healing. So I want to tell you about a moment that I had um, this week with a prayer partner um, who I've prayed with um, once a week now for probably close to 20 years. Um, and before we started praying, I had been thinking about my mom. My mom has been gone. She's deceased. She's been dead for um, many years at this point. Um, and my relationship with my mom was a little bit um, complicated. And I had hoped that it would get um, to sort of a place that was easier um, before she passed away, but that didn't actually happen, at least not as much as I wished it would have. But for some reason, this past year, I have felt extremely um, close to my mom, and it's possible because I've done a lot of interior work dealing um, with things that, that has been really helpful over the years. But when I say I have felt close, I, I mean like I have felt her presence um, close to me in a way that I can't explain, that I wouldn't try to build a, a theology around. It's just true that mom has been close. Well, in this prayer moment with my friend, I'm three years old and I see my mom lighting the Shabbos candles. Um, so Shabbos is Hebrew for Sabbath. Um, growing up Jewish, my mom would have lit um, the Shabbos candles every Friday night, um, which is the tradition for the woman to do it, um, at sunset, and it's the way of welcoming 
the Sabbath. Um, and, and every time she would light the candles, she would cover her eyes, and she would say, Baruch Atarnoi, Eloheinu Melech Olam, Asher Krishanu B'mitzvosavitzivanu, Lachadlikner Shel Shabbos. And then we knew something had happened. Blessed are you, O God, in the English king, I'd like to think she might have added queen, of the universe who sanctifies us with the commandment of lighting the Shabbos candles. Well, in this moment of prayer, I could see myself as this very little girl, and I'm looking up at my mom as she's lighting the candles and as, as she's singing, and then I can see my mom pick me up and like put me on her hip as she's chanting this centuries-old prayer. And at that moment, I feel deeply connected to my mom. I'm aware that Jesus is there. And the next thing I can see, I'm on the ground, and my mom is teaching me the hora. Do you guys know what that is? The hora is kind of like a Jewish line dance. So it could be done in a circle, and you have your arms around um, the person's next to you with their hands kind of leaning over their shoulder, and there's just steps and a little bit of kicking. Or else you can wend your way like a line dance through a wedding or a bas mitzvah or a, or a bar mitzvah. But as I'm dancing with my mom in this prayer moment, I begin to cry pretty hard because I realize for the first time that this part of my life of connecting with God, this thing that matters to me almost more than anything in the world, has its roots in my relationship with my mother, something that I had never really considered before. Well, this morning, we're gonna um, look at Jesus' experience in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I think I'm drawn to the garden narratives. I usually preach out of them um, once or twice a year because this is where Jesus talks to God in the most visceral way. So we have some details about what Jesus is praying. Like we know Jesus is saying, okay, if there is any way to take this cup from me, that would be great. But not my will, but thine be done. We know Jesus was overwhelmed to the point of death, but, but was he praying out loud? I think about it like when the kids in our kids' wing talk about wonder. Like, I wonder, was he praying out loud? Was Jesus on his knees before he collapses to the ground? Was Jesus hearing encouraging words from God? Like, was there a conversation back and forth while all this is happening? Did Jesus sense the Spirit of God hovering over the garden? This is from Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. 
You stay here with me. Keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to the disciples and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Now I feel really bad for Peter because he starts out that sentence, couldn't you men? And somehow Peter's the one who it ends with. Um, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. And he went away a second time and he prayed, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and he said to them, are you still sleeping? And resting, look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So I'm just going to name a few things. This passage is so rich. Like I feel like I've, I've never, didn't read anything else the rest of my life and I just meditated on all that was in here. Um, it, it would sustain me and feed me. But I'm just going to say three things because we're going to use them in three prayer practices that we're going to do this morning. Um, but number one, in his despair, Jesus turns to God, right? In his despair, he turns to God, but his preference is to not be completely alone. Like he's saying, like, I want to be with God, but I want to do this in the context of my community. One of our worship leaders, Corey Hutchinson-Reese, recently said to me, one of the reasons that I love church so much is because of the community worship. He said, I, I like praying alone, but there is something about being with my church family and singing with my church family. I can't get that experience. Um, any other way. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I need my comfort to come from God, but I, I want to do it with you guys. Okay, number two, the disciples were unable to stay present with the intensity of Jesus' emotion. So I want to play with scripture just a little bit um, because the scripture says they couldn't stay awake I'm just thinking, if my dear friend, who I love so much, said to me, I am so sorrowful, I'm so sorrowful to the point of death, I think I might have an adrenaline rush. Like, I don't know that I would fall asleep at that moment. Like, I'm kind of thinking about that. Like, what is exactly happening? Like, Oh, really? Okay, because i got to go take a nap. Um, maybe um, the disciples weren't ready to face the truth that Jesus was facing. Um, 
Maybe it was too overwhelming. Maybe it was too undoing. I mean, think about the truth <laughs> that Jesus was facing. Think about what was happening in the garden. Maybe there's too many personal implications for them. When we pray with our friends, we are inviting them in to our emotional space. We're asking them to stay present to what is painful enough that we want to bring it to God, to something that we need healing for, something that we want God's care and mercy for. This is one of the greatest gifts that we give anyone simply being emotionally present to each other's story. Like, Jesus' emotion is real. Sometimes like, oh, yeah, Jesus is the son of God. It's kind of like, okay, right? But Jesus' emotion is real. One of my favorite things about this narrative in Luke is that in Luke, um, it says that um, an angel came and strengthened Jesus. And what you expect is, oh, wow, the angel came and strengthened Jesus. Now Jesus is ready to go. But what it says is the angel came and strengthened Jesus, and then Jesus was able to go deeper in prayer. So whatever the angel did, it was just enough to allow Jesus to do the wrestling that Jesus needed to do with God. And three, something in the experience um, with God makes Jesus resolute, right? Something allows him in that time where he's with uh, God in the garden that makes him able to go on and face what he has to face. Um, a friend of mine told me this week that she listened to Glennon Doyle morning podcasts, or I'm not sure all the language because I don't do social media, but on Instagram um, during COVID when we were in our houses every day, she said something about listening to Glennon say, you've got it. You've got this day. You can do it, was what she needed um, to go on with yet another day. Um, there was something strengthening in Jesus wrestling with his reality that hiding from it or denying it could not have given him. And this morning, we're going to join Jesus um, in the garden, and we're going to use some of his experiences as a template. So we're going to do three different kinds of prayer practice together um, that hopefully will facilitate some of our healing over um, the past months. And we're invited in this space to do our own interior work, but as we do it, we're holding space for everyone else in the room, and they're holding space for us. So what we'll do is we'll invite God's presence, we'll take a few minutes to, um, or a few moments to center and the ways that we do, and I'll lead us in that. Um, and then we're going to um, do three different things. The first one we'll spend the most time on, and I'll lead us with time, so you don't need to think about it, but the first one will be who or what betrayal or betrayals have you experienced over the last month? So who or what has betrayed you? Um, the second one will be who are the people you wish would stay awake with you in life? Just being able to name that. Um, and the third one will be, 
what would God say that would allow you to be resolute going, um, going forward? So we're going to do this a specific way. Um, so the first thing that you want to do is just get comfortable in your chair in whatever way you would feel good knowing that you're going to have a contemplative moment. Um, if you're comfortable closing your eyes, feel free to do that. Maybe take a couple deep breaths. Oh, just kind of slowing down a little bit. And the first thing we're going to do is set up a place where our experience can happen. And so, like Jesus, um, we're going to have our own gardens. So either take a moment to create the garden that you would want to have or discover the garden that you find. So you could notice anything, what kind of flowers. Is there a stream? Are there rocks? Is there a path? And in your garden, you want to have a way to talk with Jesus. So either there's two chairs facing each other, or maybe you're on a sliding rocker, um, whatever it is, you're in your garden. Okay, so in your garden, I'm assuming it's beautiful. Mine always has bird feeders with lots of birds. And the first thing you're going to do now is you're going to name to Jesus, like, who or what has betrayed you over the last 18 months, give or take. Did you, um, did your health betray you? Maybe the health of family or friends? Did you experience betrayal by a person? Maybe by our country? Whatever it is, take a moment. And when you do contemplative work, what you want to do is not just name, I felt betrayed by my body. You want to then, whatever you're choosing, you want to flesh it out. This is what that betrayal felt like. These are some of the details of that betrayal. And just take a minute and describe that to Jesus. And keep going with that, but at any time, you could also make space to see Jesus' face, 
hear any words that Jesus might be saying from you, to you, and we'll take like another minute. If it's ever hard for you to hear from Jesus, it's okay to imagine. What do I think Jesus would be saying to me at this moment? in a few seconds so anything else Jesus is saying anything else you're saying and hopefully the garden itself is comfort So stay in your contemplative mode. And our second one shouldn't be that long. You're really just identifying for yourself with Jesus. Um, who are the people when life gets rough? Who are the people who you wish would stay awake with you, that you would really want emotionally in spiritually present or attuned to you in your harder moments. And if you identify those people, you can just think a little bit about what they mean to you. And finally, um, our last one is Jesus is there. He's sitting next to you or across from you in the garden that you've created or you discovered. What words is Jesus saying that would help you be resolute before you leave the garden? and know you have to go forward in life with all of its challenges.
Just a few more seconds. Any last thing you want to do, see, notice about your gardens, about Jesus, about yourself, about doing it in the context of community. Amen. I'll close with this, uh, my friend India. India is a, a member of Sanctuary, a young woman. She experienced some trauma attending church as a child, um, enough so when she finally started looking for church, it was like a big deal. Um, this is a quote <coughs> from India. It's a description about how laying on her couch for hours looking at the ceiling um, became her healing garden. She said, when I felt ready to participate in religious community again, I attended many services in the area as an observer. The first time I attended sanctuary was different. I felt like I couldn't just be an onlooker, but was pulled into participating emotionally in the service. Even though I knew I wanted to regularly attend sanctuary, returning to church was really one of the hardest things I've done. After each service, I'd go home, I'd lay on the couch, I'd look at the ceiling, for the rest of the day. It felt sort of involuntary. I did that most Sundays for the first year. There's still a lot of, to work through, but I was floored by how much healing was waiting for me when I came back. I've learned to understand this as grace. I guess I'm still learning to trust that it isn't limited supply or won't suddenly go away. Maybe it can be the basis of relating to God. Well, amen. At this time, we're going to transition to time of worship along with communion, which I'm so excited about. I think this is our second week taking communion in the last 18 months. Worship team can come forward. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, that's for you. Do this in remembrance for me. In the same way, he took the cup, also after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. If you wish to be fed by Jesus, you're welcome to participate in communion. There are stations in front and back. You can come individually, friends, family. Um, the tables in the front corners have individually packaged communion servings. The tables in the back have our traditional loaves for dipping into a common cup. And the table immediately next to the stage is gluten-free, all your options. Um, at the tables are also some cards um, with suggested prayers. Amen.